welcome everybody to another live recording of the Linking the Travel Industry podcast, where we discuss travel industry news you are talking about on LinkedIn. We absolutely welcome audience participation. After all, we are here to link the industry. So if you have a comment on any of the stories we discussed today, please hit the raise hand button. My name is Rian, and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity, where we make it our mission to elevate the service ability of travel management companies whilst also eliminating the disruption caused by bookings made in multiple channels. And I'm Anne, and I'm a consultant with LeapShift. Happy to help you with anything related to retail, NDC, one order and distribution. Also work as an instructor uh, with both IATA and Eratos. Hi, everyone. My name is Ash, and I'm a host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates in business travel in under 15 minutes. Additionally, I'm the vice president at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. Well, Ash, it's so good to have you back. See, there we have that professional uh, intro once again. So welcome back, Ash. We did miss you last week, as we've said. For those new to this event, and very nice to see some familiar faces once again, thank you for joining us. The format of this discussion revolves around a post I do on a Friday where I've rounded up the previous week's news, and then we discuss them in a bit more detail here. So last week was week 30, and um, my first post last week was just a nice one, just a nice story. It was just about uh, an eagle-eyed pilot from KLM you know, Airlines. He was flying and he saw a sort of growing wildfire on the making and he alerted the authorities that it actually prevented quite a major fire. So just a nice story. And this is what you want your pilots to be doing, right? This is great. Super of him to help. Ash, have you, have you ever heard of anything like this happening before? I think that uh, pilots are trained to find things like this on the, from the air. And I think that they've been taught those kind of skills. And, you know, whether it be SOS on a beach or anything weird and strange, I think they're kind of trained to look for those kind of things. But when I first read the story, I thought there was a wildfire in the cockpit. I was like, how can there be a wildfire in the cockpit? <laughs> On to a more serious news then, it seems like the next European airport to face a potential flight ban is Brussels Airport. Um, there's a story that I read about IATA. They're putting up a big fight against this. It's uh, the Belgian mobility minister, can't pronounce his name, but um, he has proposed a complete ban on night flights at Brussels Airport to avoid or to reduce noise pollution. But IATA calls it premature and they are fighting this. I suspect they won't get very far right, and I think that's probably going to go ahead at some point. Yes, and most probably will. And I thought it was interesting that they mentioned the the flights to the African continent because, as we know, I mean, as in Brussels are the very you know big big carrier, of course. And it's interesting to observe, right? We see these reductions in flights and all those sort of bans happening in in the European market, and then we see this explosive mm. growth happening, you know, in Asia and in India, and yes. Saudi Arabia. So yeah. yes, yeah. You know, I wonder, right. like we've talked about before, if the shift is going to happen that. Most airlines will fly close to Europe and then with feeders. I heard something very interesting uh, about the green tax imposed on with, within Europe. We most likely will end up having a massive growth into Turkey or northern Africa and then feeders up to Europe. Did you make anything of the story, Ash? What are your thoughts? 
how many flights could they possibly be having at night at Brussels airport? It's not like a major airport of any kind. So what are they really picking on? I think it's more of a symbolism more than a reality. So while on one hand, they can talk about all the reasons why, I think that for whatever reason, this is supposed to be a symbolic move to show the rest of the world or Europe that, uh, hey, we can actually do this here. The entire airport roughly has about 22 million passengers a year. That's nothing. That's like minuscule. I mean, Paris has 80 million. Atlanta has 100 million. So it's like they're picking on a really small city with small number of flights. And then on top of that, it's night flight. So how many could that possibly be? So this whole thing is kind of weird. The next story that caught my eye with two, in fact, already both relating to Spot Nano. They made two fairly big announcements last week. Uh, one of them was the fact that they've now integrated with Amtrak. And the other one was that they've managed to make use of that solution that was developed to sort of interact with both Edifact and NDC unused coupons and sort of be able to book and uh, reuse them diligently on their platform. So both great uh, strides in going forward. Great to see this from Spot Nano again, right, Anne? Oh, it is. I mean, that is information that should be at the fingertips of the customer. If you are a corporate customer and you have unused tickets and you know how I feel about unused tickets, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. But of course, you should be able to see, do I have tickets that you know, I should use. I think it's really, really basic information and, and, and not having had access to that is, is quite shocking. So yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah. I was really, really impressed with Amtrak as well, that they've uh, they've integrated Amtrak. Is that widely used there, Ash, by corporate travelers, Amtrak? If you're in the Northeast between New York and DC, I think it's definitely a wonderful uh, way to travel. Even New York to Boston, one can argue that that's also a good way to travel. I think that the issue that they're hopefully solving for when it comes to Amtrak is that the Amtrak process today with the current booking tools, I mean, booking rail and Amtrak is not that difficult. Uh, the issue was that it was a broken process. So once you got to the rail station, you had to get your e-ticket, you had to go to the kiosk machine and all this kind of stuff or download the Amtrak app. So I think what they hopefully have done is made that all part of the Spot Nana app shows you all this and you don't have to check in. And I think that's the value that they're mm-hmm. probably bringing in from the API perspective. Uh, so hopefully they're solving for that. But I think that one of the things that has always been the case in the industry is that we've always held on to high revenue type of transactions. And we've always kept that off technology because for whatever reason, the value has always been that, hey, if the agent interacts, it's more valuable. And I always wondered why we did this with the airlines eliminating change fees. And then, of course, with the whole visibility into all the unused tickets that corporations focused on during the pandemic, I think it became really obvious that this is an area that needed to be improved upon. I mean, an exchange has never been complicated. Everybody has been holding on to the fact that it is complicated because that's how they were able to charge corporations more money. I've always felt that this is an area of improvement. And so it's really good that they're simplifying this. And from the way that it was spoken about by the CEO, he said very simply, the CEO of Spotnana, he said that we don't want our travelers to contact us because there's a limitation of technology. We want them to contact us because they want to. And hopefully it resonates with all the other TMCs across the world. Yeah, and wouldn't wouldn't you agree, Ash, that that of course it can be simplified and made much better? Because, I mean, if you actually had like a corporate account or let's say a corporate wallet, wouldn't it be just far better to have just the money go back straight into that corporate wallet? So you don't have to fiddle with, I mean, I think it's just stupid to exchange tickets just for the monetary value. So Mohit, I see that you're up on stage. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what you're thinking about 
Hello everybody, my name is Mohit and I am PM for flight here in Jakarta. On this container, I think they've had a fair bit of media going their way, you know, and I think with this rail API integration with Amtrak, it's always good to provide the alternatives to business travelers, you know, but the kind of innovation and maybe this is the PM speaking in me, the kind of innovation that usually comes from them, I would have really expected to see a seamless integration combining all modes of transportation as they displayed in that article. My next story was about Alaska Airlines. It was just very interesting for me to see that they've published some results where they've um, revealed a, a lower domestic travel demand uh, demand overall, and it scared a few investors. And there was a very good post by Edward Russell where he's explaining why you know there's nothing to worry about here. The demand is still there. There's just more Americans traveling internationally. Ash, I'd be very curious to hear your thoughts on the story and if um, you think Edward Russell was correct there. I think the analysis is sound. I think that what he's saying is uh, pretty accurate. And I see that the projections are also looking exactly the way he describes them. So overall, the answer is yes. Agree. Any, any comments there, Anne? I totally agree with, with Edward Russell. I think it's a bit scary that, because I mean, we will, of course, see more demand going international, right? Especially following the past few years. And we have this demand that we're seeing. Well, you know, you never know. Now you saw the Expedia Walmart cooperation happening. So maybe that will, that would definitely boost the domestic travel in the US. So who knows? So uh, let's just shift focus a little bit here. I just want to reach out to those familiar faces in the audience that have joined us once again. We really, really appreciate your time and loyalty and coming back and being part of the show. And for anybody new to the event, welcome. We really appreciate you giving us your time. We do this event not just to share news and discuss it with you, but also to link the industry. And we really are encouraging people to link to, to one another. So every week, we have a link of the week, a very unsuspecting victim. And our purpose of this is to, to highlight that individual and get everybody else to connect to them so that we link more people in the industry together, which we think is absolutely vital. So our link of the week this week, uh, he doesn't know this yet, is Vimal Ray. He's in the audience there. He's just given us a thumbs up about the story, but that's not because he knew about this. That's because uh, we just picked his name and he is our link of the week. So Vimal, you can see him there. He's got the same hairstyle as me. I don't even want to say tons, but it's more than that. Tons of experience and um, views and very, very interesting connections in the industry. And I would encourage you to connect to them all. You won't mind. He's got already 12,500 followers. So go ahead and connect to him and uh, you'll be much better off. And thank you, Vimal, for being here. I know it's very late for you where you are, but uh, it's very nice to see you and uh, supporting us. So thank you very much. So that is our link of the week, Vimal. You've just been linked. Um, our next story stays in the States. Uh, this is about American Airlines. It was an interesting story, this, because um, apparently United Airlines, I wasn't aware, they've uh, offered their pilots a, a fairly massive pay rise, and American Airlines has matched that now. So it's about a 35 to 40% pilot pay rise in order to retain their pilots. This is very interesting to me. Um, I wasn't aware of any of this happening. I mean, Ash, was this on your radar? Did you know about this? Yeah, because a lot of pilots were looking to move jobs. 
And mm-hmm. obviously, that's not a good thing for any airline, especially when you're trying to increase flights, right? So actually, this all started with Delta basically saying, hey, we're going to pay our people really well. United had to do it because they were losing uh, pilots to Delta. And of course, American did it because they always have to go last on anything good. So they always wait until the end and when they really have to. So they finally had to do it because, again, they were going to lose pilots to United. By the way, 40% equals, just so everybody knows, it's over a four-year period. It equals $10 billion dollars. So now the question is, are you going to be able to increase your revenue by $10 billion over the next four years to offset this additional cost? Not really. And what are your thoughts on this? It's, it's a staggering numbers, staggering percentages. Uh, I also saw in the, on the post that pilots are leaving Canada and going to the U.S., right? Yes, I saw um, that. It was actually yeah, posted by a Canadian publication, right? Since I have a, a couple of good friends that are pilots, I listened to some of her thoughts the other day, and it was very interesting. She said that um, we will most likely uh, go towards one pilot, one pilot on board with the with the automation and technology available. And yes. That's going to be interesting. Muit, I suspect you might have a comment on the story, right? It's the best time to be a pilot, and this phase will remain for years to come. Travel demand is not slowing down at all, and you know all airlines are reporting millions of dollars in profits. So this is bound to happen. I think the pilot shortage discussion did start three years before the pandemic. As the saying goes, it gets worse before it gets, uh, you know, better. I found the story fascinating. You did a post uh, where you talked about a charge for a seat selection and, you know, basically asking the question, when does it become really ridiculous? And the post generated so much discussion, Alex. I wanted to get you up here to, A, talk about the post and what did you find and also what happened in the comments. So over to you if you can do a quick intro and then just talk to us about this post and welcome. Hi, Irene, Ash, Dan, Mohit and uh, the audience. Uh, very happy to be on stage of my favorite LinkedIn Live show. As you rightly said, and this post caused some interesting discussions and uh, comments. And I think the, the general highlight uh, that I discovered in the comments is that many people say that, yeah, it doesn't seem right, but many passengers simply won't notice that something is not right. So basically, this is a fare that includes free seat selection. It's already higher than the basic uh, fare. I was given an option to choose plenty of options, uh, middle seats, a lot of middle seats. It's very nice. Uh, Okay, to be frank, two aisle seats in the back. But the thing is, to me, it really doesn't feel right to pay for an aisle seat. My feeling personally is that airlines really are doubling down on ancillaries. So they charge you for, for the fare, which includes free seat selection. And then when you don't get what you want, and I bet many people, most people don't want middle seat, then you're going to pay again. And unfortunately, this trend will continue until the the general awareness uh, of the public will be still low. Yes, I found exactly the same. It is very frustrating when you see that and you expect to be paying for, you know, true premium seats, but in the end you just pay for uh, an absolutely regular seat, despite the fact that your fare included that. But Alex, uh, you know, there's a lot of frustration. You say people are going to become aware of it, but isn't this where things are going, right? That the airline is actually almost able to give the, the fare away for free, but just charge for everything else, right? Yes and no. Uh, I mean, it, it would be okay if you select the basic fare, but I specifically selected a fare that includes uh, seat selection. So my expectation was that I could get an aisle or a window seat in the back. That's fine, but aisle or window. And yeah. in this situation, it really seems like 
they really don't want to give me a, a decent seat because they want that I don't want to sit in the middle as most passengers. And um, yeah, I, I would be very surprised if that is really the case. And, yeah. you know, uh, six weeks in advance, I'm looking at the seat map and everything is taken and Ross 33 somehow is a preferred seat, which is with standard legroom and they still want me to pay 50 bucks. <laughs> it's just surprising. So I, yeah, I, I ended up booking another airline, but the, the sad truth is that many people probably wouldn't drop at this point just because of that. Well, I did. Yeah, well, that was actually my million dollar question is what was the result? Did you stand by, stand by your, your principles and, you know, not book it? But well done if that is what you did. But you're right. Most people will just, you know, take it and uh, end up paying, which is quite sad. And uh, any comments on this? Any thoughts? I've noticed this too, and it's definitely um, like like Alex is saying, doubling down. I've noticed it with bundles as well, and this has been actually, I think, at least seven or eight times when I've booked, I've noticed that the bundle is way more expensive than if I do basic and then add a couple of services, which is also, in a way, cheating the passenger. And yeah, I'm not very comfortable with this either. This is actually uh, cheating uh, the passenger. Not Ash, nice. Is it is it cheating or is it clever marketing? Well, I'm going to say it's marketing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, here's <you> <laughs> here's here's how I look at all of this. I'm going to say that the airlines are deploying what I call the Starbucks model. If you go to Starbucks and you order a coffee, you're presented with some options. The idea of these options, you know, tall, grande, venti. No one knows these words. No one knows what they mean, what they really mean, unless you're a Starbucks person, right? So I look at preferred and all these words that airlines are using in the same context, because you have to kind of know what it means for that specific airline to understand what they're trying to tell you. Does tall mean it should be bigger than grande? Possibly. We don't really know. Venti, I mean, unless you're Italian and you know venti means 20 ounce, you don't know that it's going to be 20 ounces. And who talks in ounces anyway? So it's like a weird culture. You have to kind of know it really well in order to extract the greatest value. So I'm going to equate it to the Starbucks model. And most people don't even know that there's something smaller than tall, which is short. And then there's a Demi and it is a Trenta. It's like, okay, I just want a medium. I want a medium coffee, Anne. That's all I want, medium coffee. But do you want the grande, sir? No, I want the medium coffee. Yes. That's the most brilliant comparison I've, I've had in a long time. That's absolutely excellent. Is, yeah, is confusion the way to, to, to sell? Alex might have a comment well, there. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead, Alex. Ash, I have to disagree with you on the Starbucks analogy. It seems <laughs> like I, I disagree with you quite often, but <laughs> that's the beauty of discussion, right? I think the difference here with Starbucks is that you actually see those cups at the Starbucks stand. You see what is grande, what is venti, what is small. But here, you never know. There is no clear explanation, no transparency. It would be similar like if at Starbucks, you know, you, you get a tall and only then you realize it's not the size that you wanted. But there you see the sizes. So I, I think Starbucks is a little bit more fair than many airlines. Now, Ash, this is a way that that airline may make up that 10 billion increase in pilot pay paychecks, right? Korean has launched their own beer, and it's called Cal's Lager. I know, Anne, you love this, right? So um, why don't you tell us why you love it? Love this? it, love it. Love it, love it. I mean, this is the way to go. This is this is destination marketing in combination with the with the airline. 
you're, you're not only selling, you know, the airline brand, you're selling the country. Music to my ears. <laughs> so happy to see this. Music yes. to your ears, Mohit? Yes, absolutely. And I think this is, you know, airlines becoming better retailers, <laughs> selling, you know, diversifying their uh, portfolio. And I just can't wait to try it. Can't wait to try it. Isn't that just another company's beer with their label on it? Or do they actually make the beer? I don't know that yet, ah. but the marketing has worked already on you, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. One of the comments on the post was very interesting to me. You know, there was a very well-known, there is actually a very well-known brand, beer brand in India. They started an airline. Uh, the airline didn't do well, yes. uh, but the beer tastes, still tastes good. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was the reverse common. model. And here yeah. in the U.S., there was an airline called Hooters that came from the Hooters <laughs> restaurant that didn't do very well. So... Airlines should create beer and not beer is creating airlines. Did you notice that the can actually said American Lager on it? Oh, wow. No, I didn't see that. Yeah. Maybe it's better or something. I have no idea. I would drink an airline's beer outside of flying that airline for sure. Yeah, same with me. I have to say, Ash, from my point of view, unfortunately, putting American Lager on it puts it down if you're not just on (laughs) For the first time in a very long while, we actually have a bit of... Meanwhile, stories. Um, I find this one fascinating. Um, that passengers on a British Airways flight recently, they ran out of. There was an issue of the catering, and they basically got the entire passengers. They got they got them KFC. And what I what I didn't realize is that some people got like one piece of chicken. Right, that was it. So one piece of chicken on a on a napkin, and that was it. So at least they they fed them. But isn't this extraordinary, Ash? What do you make if you were on a long haul flight on British Airways, sitting there in business class, and they hand you a piece of KFC? I don't know if uh, a whole plane full of KFC eating people is good for the long trip thing. <laughs> so. Extraordinary. Um, and what are your thoughts on the story? Well, it was an emergency situation, and they they did their best to to manage the situation. It's happened to me that there's no. I remember a flight from Cuba. There was there was no food. Caterers in Cuba had really nothing to deliver. So on a 14-hour flight back or 12-hour flight back to Madrid, no food. Didn't matter where you were. Lots of drinks, though. <laughs> I'm sure that was a happy flight. <laughs> okay, yeah. One piece of chicken is not very sufficient, is it? So those were the stories on my list. Thank you for discussing it. Do you have any extra stories, Ash? I do. Uh huh. I think we might have one of these, right? I'm just assuming, Ash, when you say you have an extra story, it must be space news, right? That's right. One of the things that I love talking about is uh, things that are related to space. And of course, as some of you regulars know, I feel very strongly about space travel because I think it has a direct impact to all of us here on Earth. So this past week, we had amazing, amazing accomplishment by SpaceX. They launched their 50th mission of 2023. So remember, Rian, Ann, and Mohit, that their goal is to hit 100 by the end of the year. Last year, they did about 60-something, so they're already at number 50. But this also was their 250th launch, coincidentally, overall. So huge milestones for SpaceX. Their first mission, actually, was to launch a new upgraded version of their mini Starlink satellites and phase out the old one. So that was their 50th launch. And by the way, just a few hours later, 
they did a second launch on the same night, which now became their 51st launch. And this was a Falcon Heavy rocket that carried a telecom satellite for the Hughes Network Systems. And this particular project is called Jupiter-3. And Jupiter-3, by the way, is a satellite size of a commercial jet plane meant to provide broadband to the U.S. and Latin America. So huge accomplishments, big time milestones for SpaceX this past week. Double rocket launches on the same night. And wasn't that second launch also one of the heaviest ever, right? It was like what the heavy was designed for, and this is what they can now do, right? Think about the satellite, right? I mean, they're basically taking a satellite the size of a jet plane, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about a jet plane and put it on a rocket and shoot it off to space, I mean, this is a big time, and you know, the, they call it a Falcon Heavy rocket. But Ash, the speed at which these guys are moving, I mean, you're talking about a updated version of the satellites. There's some companies still contemplating about sending up, you know, broadband, internet satellites, etc. So that's just amazing. And for those in the audience who are skeptical about this link between uh, space and business travel, I can vouch. I was a skeptic myself, but I've been convinced by Ash, and I'm experiencing it myself because I'm an avid user of space, uh, of Starlink from SpaceX. And it's changing how I'm able to work from anywhere, really, with really good quality internet. So, uh, yeah, it is very exciting. For those in the audience, once again, we, I really thank you for giving us your time. And for the new faces, we do this every Monday. So from my side, Ash, Mohit, um, Anne and Alex for coming on. Thank you. And that's it from my side. Thanks, everyone. And, uh, and of course, a particular shout out to Vimal. Thank you all for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn audio call every week on Monday, and it is all about linking the travel industry, as Rian just mentioned. Please do share this event with everybody that you know. If you enjoyed today's session, chances are high that others that you know will as well. For those who cannot make it because of time zone or availability, we make the sessions available as a podcast on businesstravel360.com. You can search for the podcast on your favorite podcast player. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off. <music>